Hello, and welcome to The Embargoed, the only podcast that gives you the unvarnished truth about the world of technology public relations. Our aim is to go behind the headlines to tell you what's really going down and have a little fun in an industry that often takes itself too seriously. Every Thursday, we touch on the top stories of the week, dissecting the worlds of technology, business, politics, pop culture, and whatever else we can examine through the lens of public relations and corporate communications. We promise to be honest, straightforward, and mostly irreverent. We'll never bore you with details about which company announced what, unless, of course, we really like the what. This is a journey into sound. into sound. A journey which along the way will bring to you new color, new dimension, new value. So Kevin, we know the start of that song. I throw this yeah. switch. Pump up the it's, volume, uh... pump up the volume. Exactly, man. That's Eric B and Rakim right there, man. Hayden Full. Yeah, it's like the it's the longest uh, intro ever before he actually starts rapping. It's one of and, the best rap uh, songs of all time, right there. They can take as long as they fucking want, man. I love that song. Would you mind saying that again? It's sample after sample. Yeah, that's Rakim. That's that the DJ Rakim right there. No, sorry, that's Eric B. My bad. My bad. That's Eric B. Rakim is the yeah. is the lyricist. Am I getting that right? Yeah, Eric B is the DJ. Back in the day, hip hop bands used to have the DJ talk about the DJ before the rapper. That's how much respect the uh, the DJ got. Sometimes the DJ just give the name of the band. Well, yeah, I mean, the big thing like, they're not doing DJ that now. Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. That's a good example. Everybody can be familiar with, right? It's not Fresh yeah. Prince and DJ Jazzy Jeff. Even that's Will Smith. Yeah. Well, we, we've talked long enough. Here's the lyrics. Let's, uh, let's, let's, the best, the best opening rhyme. Here, here it is. Thinking of a master plan. Death with the record. Death with the record. Thinking of a master plan. Death with the record. Death with the record. Thinking of a master plan. This ain't nothing but sweat inside my hand So I dig into my pocket, all my money spent So I just deep up, still coming up with lint So I start my mission, leave my residence Thinking how could I get some dead presidents I need money, I used to be a stick-up kid So I think... Was he the first one to use dead presidents as a term for Maybe. money? Yeah, yeah, he could have been yeah. I got it wrong before, it's not lint It's not lint inside his hand, it's sweat Nothing but sweat inside his hand Oh, he's thinking of a master plan I love that <laughs> I love that. It's working That's hard, man. Yeah. yeah, there it is. Right? Uh, all right, dude. How are you? I'm all right. I got my second shot yeah. this week. Yeah. I got my second shot this week, and, and it was rough. Coming out, like, for two days, I was I was wrecked, man. Tuesday and Wednesday, I was hit really hard. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah, but I'm much better now, man. I went to, uh, went to the Giants game last night, San Francisco Giants. Uh, it was amazing being back at the park, watching baseball. Oh, you went uh, to the game? I went to the game. I was there, man. It was a trip. It was kind of a messed up fan experience in some ways. I mean, it was, don't get me wrong, it was great just being there, being in the park, 
sights, sounds, smells. It was like, it was, it was terrific. It felt like, you know, it was just like, wow, man, this is, this is, this is where I want to be. And uh, it's great to be back, but there was like, it was inevitable, man. This happens to me all the time. There was a, like a foursome sitting behind us, a couple rows, just absolutely hammered and cursing racial epithets, screaming at the top of their lungs for hours. And an usher sitting like 10 feet away, just not doing anything. That's, that's horrible. I mean, you wanted to go back for the first time and see something that's there. You know, going back on the COVID thing, I got my shot, second shot on Tuesday at 5 p.m. And I was all good until 3.30 p.m. on Wednesday, yesterday. And then I went down quick. That was just chills, uh, lethargy, and all kinds of stuff. And then even today, I woke up weird. And I joined a 10.30 call where I don't even know if I made it or not. Yep. I don't even know what happened. I think I'm starting to feel a little bit better right now. Um, so. I don't know what they put in that second shot, Dave, but it it's an ass kicker. And uh, I just hope it works, man. I, I, you know, it feels great to have that behind me. I'm looking forward to like having my mask off in public, um, you know, but, uh, but the last couple of days were rough. And I, so you, you were out for two days. Like I, I feel like I'm eight and a half for sure. Hard. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I will be, at 3.30 today, I'll be 24 hours before I started feeling weird. And it was just weird. You could kind of feel it coming on, right? You know, I'm just like, what's going on? And then, I don't know, like late afternoon, I just laid on a couch for a while. And I don't know what it was, I was, it was great knowing that it was that I wasn't sick. In fact, because I went to the Giants game, I had to get a COVID test the other day, too. By the way, the Giants are like, you got to get a COVID test. If, unless you're fully vaccinated two weeks, I get a COVID test. So me and my son, we, you know, both Maddie and I both got COVID tests you know, like change our schedule, made time, made plans, made the arrangement, blah, blah, blah. Get there, you're walking up and they're like, oh, we're not going to check COVID stuff today. You just come on in. I was like, really? You went to all that trouble? We saw that time? Yeah. Was the Dodgers playing yesterday? No, it was the Rockies. Oh, okay. Yeah, true yeah. baseball plan. I thought you were there for the Dodgers. We were just there for the baseball, to be just honest baseball. with you. Yeah. Well, cool. Man, I'm, I'm glad to be, yeah, I'm feeling good overall. I'm glad to be back on the pod. Um, I think we got uh, I think we got a good topic for the conversation today. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, let, let's get to the big pitch here. So yeah. I want to do something. We got a couple of things to talk about. Okay. But I picked up something today, and I and I want you to do this with me. Okay. Yeah. It's the Muckrack State of PR Survey 2021. Right. And, and like you know, I, normally I would get this survey. It showed up in my inbox this morning. It was one of the few things I was able to coherently click on while I was coming out of my covid vaccine blur is yeah yeah and then i was like hey uh do and i said i was gonna click through it and then i was like you know what let's do this on the embargoed real right? time and that way everybody <laughs> knows what they're asking right and so we, we got to make this quick they said you know they say it's 50 questions but um you know i want you to answer it kevin and i will fill it out for you okay how many questions are we going to do i don't know just make it quick <laughs> Just go All fast. Right. It says All right. Yeah. 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 Go. Questions. Okay. You, do you want to win a uh, 2250 Amazon card? Yes. yes. Um, you live in the United States. Sometimes. Yeah. Go on. Yes. Yeah. Next on the survey. 
Uh, what? Oh boy. I'll do no. my name, Kevin, and you oh, owe my man. answers. Okay. No, nobody's gonna listen to this pod. Everybody's no, tuning out right uh, now. No, right, no, dude. We're doing this, dude. Stick around. We got good stuff coming. Yeah. Don't go anywhere. <laughs> just really we're quick. just filling out a form online in real time. Where do you work? Brand agency, nonprofit uh, agency. Hey, this is definitely not for profit over here. What it's is definitely your not focus? a nonprofit. All huh? right. What is your focus? We're media, media relations. relations. Let's go. Yeah. Um, or founders. Oh, how many people work at your company? Just me, or <laughs> two to ten? You got two to ten employees? Sure, sure. Two to ten. How large is your PR communications team? Two to ten. How best your annual revenue? Millions and billions of dollars. We might have to edit this. This yeah. is this isn't gonna fly. Yeah. All right. Which of the following okay. components do you believe is most important of a pitch? Oh, now we're getting some substance. All right, all right. Which of the following components is most important in a pitch? The pitch that you make to media, customization, timeliness, images, length, subject line, data, stats, quotes, uh, a subject relevant to the journalist. I, I think the, the answer is a subject relevant to the journalist, but I never go that way. I mean, I do to some extent, like I have a sense of what they want to cover, but I honestly think that subject line is uh is paramount and then beyond that it's got to be short and sweet like that pitch has it's like you're talking like six words you got six catchy words. subject line huh yeah catchy subject line and yeah, yeah 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 i guess i would go with that my best pitches have had the great subject line um, yeah i think so how I, often yeah, you- I don't think journalists would agree with that by the way i think yeah. journalists would be like oh we're too smart for that yeah you know? no they, they click on things that they like and you know they're human beings, sort of. Yeah, sort of. Right. How often do you follow journalists on social media before pitching them? Always, frequently, sometimes, rarely, never. Never. I don't care about social media. Really? I follow I them. I, yeah. I follow them. Um, but it's going to go under my name and have your answers. <laughs> oh, shit. Okay. It's okay. Which types of media do you prefer- commonly pitch? Online, newspapers, magazines, podcasts, blogs, newsletters, radio, TV. It's got to be online. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Newspapers um, shouldn't even be on that list anymore. They're my, online. My, my five-year-old doesn't know what a newspaper is, I guarantee you. Yeah, yeah. No idea. Which of the following channels do you find the most effective for pitching journalists? Email, individual, mass email, individual. Dude, this is stupid. It's yeah. individual emails, right? It's not yeah. phone, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook. Newswire had to pay to get on this list. Yeah, news, Newswire. All right, here's a pro tip for all clients out there. We got to do one more, man. I, I think we're. I, I think people are gonna. I, I, who wants to hear us fill out this form, man? No, dude. Like this is like this is good stuff. That like. Oh, it know. is. Okay. Yeah. All right, go then. Let's roll. Nobody. The tip here is the newswires. I don't think add any value unless you're a public company. Honestly. Here, I, so that's like a whole other discussion. But newswires, they, I mean, they're like dinosaurs, right? Like, what is the the only reason is to use a newswire is because the results show up on search, period, end of discussion. They have they no other purpose. They barely show up on search, though. Huh? They barely show up on search. Press releases will show up on search you, it, it, when you put them out on the wire, most barely. of the time. Yeah. But there's yeah. something. There's something. If you're, a company, if you're a startup, a lot of my clients are small startups. They, you know, just getting something out there so people know they're alive and kicking and doing stuff. But I, I honestly can't think of another reason for wire services to exist. Yeah. All right. What day of the week do you send your pitches? I send them every day except for Sunday, Friday, and Saturday. Actually, this Friday question, morning. I'll hit up. This question should have been on what day do you most like to issue press releases? My favorite day is Thursday. 
but in terms of pitches, I think Friday is the day. Yeah, Friday morning. Chill. Friday yeah, morning Friday between morning. like Friday 8 morning. And 11 Pacific time. Yep. When did you have, when is what time did you say? There you go. 8 to 11 Pacific. So that was the next question. 8 to 11. Yeah, call it, call it, you know, call it 12 to 3. 9 or to 9 12. To 12 yeah, either way. Late morning, right? Sure. Yeah. How long is your average pitch? No less more than, than 100. Less than, less than 100, 100 words. Yeah, dude. Like, so clients who are asking for a big pitch and want to see what we're pitching, no. Yeah. How many follow up emails are acceptable on a pitch? Seven. <laughs> <laughs> that's it, uh, the last option is <laughs> it, it, it says seven you're fired i think i think two, two is the right number two the pitch the follow-up pitch and then maybe one more that's right. that's right. are you sure you don't want to cover this because i really would like <laughs> you to cover this don't be too persistent right how long after initial pitch is okay to follow up one to two days three to seven days more yeah, than that's a that's a good question um i think it depends on how quickly you need an answer to their question, right? If you have time, I think three to seven days is preferred, but if you're in a rush, it's gotta be one to two. There you go. Where do you and your team store media lists, spreadsheets, dedicated PR software, sales, CRM, marketing automation software, other? Yeah, I, I still use a spreadsheet, man. I guess, I mean, it's not Excel, it's a Google sheet, but it's, yeah, I'm not using one of these fancy services, no. Yeah, it says dedicated PR software. The only choice is Muckrack. Duh, right. <laughs> Who put out this survey, by the way? Oh, yeah, right. Okay. Thanks, Muckrack. You know, you know, the thing is, I want CRM to be as good to, to work for media because, you know, they have a lot of uh, automated uh, follow-up, yeah. but they can't keep that database right, you know? So it ends up being your own spreadsheet anyway. I still would wish that, you know, all my interactions with media were recorded in a CRM tool because tools like Muckrack and Cision don't actually do that. I wish I was like 20 years younger and I could figure out how to use a CRM and like in the, in the best way possible and maximize it for PR purposes. I, I just don't think that way. You know, it's like, I, I just, I have the ability somehow to remember recent interactions with just about anyone. If it goes back too far, I've probably forgotten but like when I go to pitch someone, it's just like who like if when the topic comes up, I just already know who I'm going to contact. I don't really need to go back and figure out what the last contact was about. I don't know if the CRM is for PR is necessary. No, I don't think so. I think it's like you know probably good for sales, right? Yeah. Because um, sales leads are often longer leads. You're creating a relationship. Some Absolutely. sales cycles are like six months. You know what Absolutely. did I say last time? What did I deliver to them? All right. Challenges, does your, what challenges does your PR communications team face? There's a long list here. I may not read them all, but it's about measurement, budget, collaborating with your team, recruitment and talent training, getting response from journalists, measuring business impact, identifying right technologies for my team, relevant journalists, finding an executive sponsor. Yeah, uh, I think getting responses from journalists yeah, that's us. I mean, that's we're not still the most important. Here. Yeah. Right. Uh, what have your what have been your biggest challenges during the COVID nineteen era? Losing clients, scaling back, placing coverage, finding angles, working remotely, eating remotely, <laughs> eating, <laughs> eating constantly, eating constantly. Yeah, right. <laughs> that's been my biggest challenge. I'm snacking more. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know, man. Uh, okay. 
yeah, relevant angles for pitches. Cause I think everybody's tired of yeah, they're done with COVID, COVID angles and whatnot. Do you believe your organization's PR community strategy is effective? Yes, we do Hell because yeah. we're Hell yeah. How can PR increase its value inside your organization? Jesus. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's see here. You know what? When I was inside, I, I would say producing measurable results. You know, we do like these results. No, you produce the results, but it's in a, presenting it in a way that means something to the executive team that funds your budget. Um, yeah. Although I think, you know, fundamentally, if you're coming at PR from a measurement standpoint, you're probably missing the point. PR is as much about branding as it is about, you know, lead gen. It's probably more about branding. It really is probably 75, 25, in my opinion. Yeah. I just, I really think like having your name out there, I've, I've heard from multiple clients over the years that say like, Having your name, having our name out there, you know, meant that we were able to generate um, investor interest. You know, it meant that we were able to, you know, uh, um, you know, hire someone or recruit someone or, you know, just attract the attention of the right people. It's it's let's go with the choice of better defining the role of PR and communications internally. Yeah, I think that's it for me, one hundred percent. Yeah, people people don't get it half the time. No, that's one hundred percent true. Productivity software, email daily, Google Docs daily, yeah. Excel daily. Sure. Yeah. Presentations weekly. Sure. Yeah. yeah. PR. There's 50 software. questions on this thing? 50 questions in this Dude, survey? We're, we're plowing through it. It's only been okay. Like five okay. Years. Okay. Yeah. You know, you're, I know you're not a survey taker, but I'm here to help the industry. All I'm right. a champion of the industry, dude. You are. You remember last week you told us you joined PRSA. Yeah, dude. I'm here to advance the profession. Okay. And by providing feedback. Sort of valuable feedback. I'll follow yeah, your lead. Go. go ahead. Yeah. Uh, media database. I use that about weekly. Wire service. How often do you use a wire service, Kevin? Probably once or twice a week. All right. So we'll go weekly. News monitoring daily. But I don't use the muckrack stuff. You know, I use Google Alerts. Although Google Alerts have been sucking lately. Yeah. Bing is pretty good. Uh, what about PR reporting software? You never use that, do you? You're joking, right? <laughs> <laughs> that was a joke, an attempted humor. No, I don't use any PR reporting software. Come on, man. PR do you use project management software? No. I use daily a new thing called Monday.com. I know it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I love it. It's great. Um, keeps the team going, and it's just you know a place, and you can share it with clients so they know yeah. exactly what's going on. Internal comms, you know, video conferencing, daily Slack, yeah. email, phone. Yeah. We do yeah. all that. Although, are you using the phone much these days? Uh, yeah, occasionally. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Still, still get calls. Still make calls. More, more often than not, it's a Zoom or a Teams or Google meeting or something like that. Yeah. All right. Marketing software, email automation, never. Marketing automation, never. CRM, never. Marketing cloud, never. Web analytics, never. Is that true? Yeah. All right. Yeah. yeah. Social media. I do use uh, Sprout. I think I use it daily hmm. for some of my clients. Um, what? I don't know. Social media software? Uh, that's question 30, that's folks. Right. We're getting through yeah. this quick. Uh, do you expect to spend more or less time? Less, more on Twitter, less on Facebook. 
no difference on LinkedIn. What about Reddit, YouTube, Instagram, Kevin? For PR purposes, no, no, never, less. Don't want YouTube. to. YouTube. Do you huh? use YouTube? Do you use YouTube for PR? No. 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 Instagram, TikTok, <laughs> Clubhouse, maybe more, maybe more. No. No. I want to be on the list next year. You want a hot yeah. take? They won't even be on the list. Yeah. All right. So for a social media and communication strategy, I think Twitter is probably the number one out of yeah. all of those. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right. So Clubhouse is on this list. Kevin predicts that it will not be there next year. Right. Uh, okay. Metrics. What the hell? Which of the following metrics do you use to showcase your efforts and stakeholders? I go productivity metrics. Yeah. All right. Pitches, emails sent, meetings held, stories placed. Yeah. That's the stuff I can control. I try to, I try only to measure the stuff I can control. Like if I, I, I can't, you know, we might pitch a story and a reporter might write, this has happened to me before. A reporter writes story, reporter publishes story, story is up online, editor decides later to take story off the web. Do you get, do you get credit for that hit or not? Yeah. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. I can't control the fact the editor decided to pull the story for some reason that was unrelated to the story itself. Right. Right. When I do get a hit, I will use, you know, productivity metrics are good. I use traditional metrics every now and then for audience reach and ad. One of the things that I is suspect to me is social media impact. Like some of these social media numbers are out of hand because it is potential reach that they measure. Meaning that, you know, if, you know, said, you know, said Oprah has 10 million followers, they're going to add all 10 million people. It's probably a billion now. Right. Right. Or, but, and they add that to your metrics. So I mean, your social media impact has a potential reach of a billion people. You know, damn well, a billion people didn't see it. You know what that's like, that's like when the wire services, another, like we said, another fraudulent organization, when they send you those reports after you put a release out and it's like, you know, it got, what you know this many impressions right i was like 473,000 impressions because it you know has the potential to go on you know a thousand different websites but just because it's there doesn't mean anybody's looking at it i know they offer those metrics as well but yeah i, I think reach is overrated right particularly on that um kpis let's kind of skip through this yeah how often are you reporting monthly yeah monthly yeah with the invoice right yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, right. This is what I yeah. did. Here's how much. Here's how much it cost. Like everything. That's how every, you know. It's like you you go to dinner, you order dinner, eat food, get get bill. Right. That's the way it should be. How often are you communicating to your clients about your efforts? I try daily, if not more yeah. so. Right. Yeah. Just what's up? What's going on? We're right? working together. Let's work. What they want to answer on this? Uh, PRT metrics. I'm going to yeah. disagree with all these. We're not going to read them out loud because no. uh, you know, I don't think that's a good question. All right. You think budgets are increasing or decreasing or remaining the same? Increasing for sure. They're increasing. Yeah. Where do you spend the highest percent of PR budget? Oh, this is internal. Yeah. Contractors and freelancers. Yeah. Contractors and freelancers is where you should spend the highest percent of your PR budget, potential clients. So... Yeah. Yeah, no reason, no reason to have point. an agency or an house person if you yeah. are between zero and I'll say 10 to 20 million dollars in revenue. No Dude, reason I to have internal to 100 million. So if you are if you are a tech startup out there, a lot of my successful 
relationships have been in places where it's, you know, from, you know, 10 to 500 employees and an annual run rate, you know, anywhere from, you know, nothing to getting close to the 100 million mark. Although I work with a lot of ones that are above that. But if you're in that range, um, you know, you, you don't need to pay big agency bucks for good PR help. And you really don't, if you're on the smaller side of that scale, you really don't need anyone in-house that's dedicated to that activity. You can work directly with the VP of marketing. The contractor could work directly with the VP of marketing or a director of marketing. Um, you really, what, what PR people on the outside need from the inside is uh, they don't even need an advocate. They just need a conduit really yeah. to the right people uh, and someone to administer that process on the inside. Who do you think is making these decisions inside on PR marketing? Is it the C-level marketer, the VP of marketing, or yeah, the VP of marketing? Yeah, VP it's always marketing. the VP of marketing that's deciding this. Yeah. Uh, how much do you expect to see the PR change in the next five years? So, some, moderate, or drastic? What's how much change? Some and moderate. You'll see some change, and then you'll see a little bit more change, and then you'll see a lot of change. Uh, Dude, I you know. work with words every day, man. Yeah, like, I know. Some in moderate society, some. The PR some. industry will change some. You don't think it's going to change that much? Nah. I think it's. I think it's already changed enough. I think now it'll mature a little bit more. And the change is that, you know. Is that moderate or some? No, 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 no. Well, I'm saying in the past. It's changed oh, drastically yeah. in the past 20 years, particularly in the last 10 with yeah. you know decimation of media, social, in, yeah. Yeah. social, et cetera. And now I think it's just going to mature and everybody's going to sort of find their swim lanes and, and it'll only change some. Not, I don't think there'll be drastic change. I don't know if mature would be the word I would use. I think we're getting more, we're getting less mature as we go on the internet. But that's ground we've covered before. All right. How prepared are you for this change? I'm always very prepared. Yeah, let's go. We're prepared. Yeah. In five years' time, so the term public relations will accurately describe what I'll be doing, need to be re redefined, or need to be renamed? I think that's an interesting question. Actually, I it was kind of related to a topic I wanted to discuss with you later as it pertains to internal communications and employee communications. I know something we're going to talk about in a little bit uh, about around base camp. But I think public relations is an interesting word because it, it really describes that the process of relating of like actually like connecting and engaging and, you know, like um, having like a relationship with someone, I, I think is going to be much more difficult to do on a personal level, but then people would say, yeah, but you know, online you can connect even more. I, I think it's gonna stay the same. I guess I don't think it will need to be renamed, but I think it will mean something different, if that makes sense. It'll need to be redefined. Okay, there you go. That's the option. All right. Over the next five years, the total number of PR communications agencies will increase, decrease, or stay the same? I, yeah, I guess increase because kind of what an agency is is constantly changing too, you know. So yeah, I guess it would probably increase or stay the same. Yeah, they're going more digital these days. Yeah, for sure. More digital, more, you know, spread out geographically. You don't have to, yeah, I, I think that's, that's probably right important will PR and comms function grow in the next five years? I No, the importance of PR communications functions will grow in the next five years. You agree, disagree, or not sure? I agree. agree. Yeah, yeah, for sure. 
So invest with us today. Which of the following skills uh, will be part of your PR organization success in the next five years? I'm not going to read them all, but you know, which one you want to pick? We got to pick media relations, and then I think social media will be there. Uh, yeah, it's interesting. Um, which of the following skills? Yeah, I still think written communications is is super important. Yeah, but again, you know, employee communications, n- not to be overlooked. That's becoming a bigger deal. Uh, We're going to hit on that in about a I second. I know. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I think DEI is going to be thing, diversity, equality, and inclusion. Well, and those things are going to intersect, right? Employee yep. communications and DEI. Dude, I think we're done. We took the survey? I think we're done. Check that off the list. Yeah, we're done. So thank you all for going through that. It was it acted as a great discussion point for all the things that are PR profession related. We'll, yeah. We look forward to the results and Muckrack sponsoring us next uh, in a couple of weeks. Well, I like the idea of that. Paying for this yeah. podcast. Yeah. All right, dude. <laughs> Let's go on to the next topic. Okay. Base camp. And there, if you guys haven't heard the news this week, Basecamp is a productivity software company. Not that, that very big, but they um, basically said that there will be no more societal and political discussions on our Basecamp account, meaning that employees cannot no longer talk about politics or societal issues, you know, either stop Asian hate, Black Lives Matter or equality for all or whatever it is. And it got a lot of coverage this week. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I, I immediately, when I saw the news, I was like, oh, this would be great for the embargo, right? So the co-founders, Jason Fried um, and David Heinheimer. Hansen, DHH. I think he likes to go by DHH. Oh, he goes by DHH, right? Yeah, I want to go so by he, KAW from now on. Let's so he says, KAW. political chatter and corporate communities are out. Ditto for benefits like fitness, wellness, and education allowances, um, and dwelling on past company decisions and 360 performance reviews. By the way, we're hiring. (laughs) Come work here. We're not going to give you shit. Uh, And then they said that in exchange, they're doing a 10% profit sharing model. Okay. But Mm. employees were started to push back. And one employee said, I worked at Basecamp for a long time because it's a company full of smart and kind people. And together, we always try to take care and do the right thing. I don't agree with the changes announced today. I'm sad and upset. Another guy said, I'm a straight white man in a tech job. It doesn't get much more privilege than that. It would be easy for me to ignore things that don't affect me, but I don't want things to be easy and want things to be better. All right. So, that's kind of this, what we're going to be talking about. Let's get the easy things out of the way first. Um, for me, getting rid of 360 performance reviews is awesome. <laughs> I sure. did those things when I worked at the company. Like, what? What is it? Can we have like a positive, you know, discussion between me and my boss and maybe some colleagues and just kind of go over where I'm doing well and, and like let's make it 45 minutes and I'm out of there, right? And let's right. get back to work and do something. Uh, some of those performance reviews are. Uh, they were painful at some places. And I think companies I think they're big deals in big companies. I think they do these things religiously. Yeah. There's all these feedback cycles, I'm pretty sure. Especially and then, you know, the fitness, wellness, uh, and education allowances that they call that paternalistic is what they said. No more 
I call that condescending. Yeah, I, I mean, it's funny that like, this is coming from a tech company. These guys like started the trend of ping pong tables and, you know, full bars and, you know, everything they could think of to incentivize, you know, people to come work for them as opposed to some other tech company. And now, you know, we've got this tech company going, we're not going to do that anymore. You know, that's not what you're here for kind of thing. I, I, good luck. Yeah. I don't think that's going to be, uh, it might be tougher on your hiring managers going forward. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I went to Pivotal Software and they had it all, right? And they right. Had, great. I mean, they fed us breakfast and then and lunch. I mean, it wasn't like, you know, a Google spread, I'm sure, or Facebook spread, but it, it was kind of nice. But after a while, you just, outside of the breakfast, I didn't really take advantage of anything. Honestly. Yeah. Maybe grabbing a Coke on the way home. Um, but, you know, you're still working and doing your thing. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm okay with that. Although, the education allowances, if you could take some classes, that, that might be all right. But these guys are going way out of the way on the, um, you know, political chatter and, court, you know, and things that you're doing out there in the world, taking societal stances. Because right now, the whole world is shifted towards that. I mean, Benioff, Mark Benioff, the CEO of Salesforce, was on CNBC yesterday talking about what they're doing um, about equality. Um you know, one person came in and said, it's hypocritical how Basecamp is now a leave politics at home company, you know, and, but their co-founder was probably railing on people before, right? It's a, it, now it's only a problem when their employees want the same privileges and freedoms that matter directly to them, affecting them. Okay, wait, so, let's back up. Yeah. <clears throat> First of all, let's, let's look at it from the perspective of the company. So why why would they do this, right? What's in it for the for them? Like what are well, they trying? Well, if you're if you're a boss, just focus on work and get in, focus get on out. Work, right? It's why we're yeah. here, right? So this is what they're saying. They're like, you come to work. By the way, it, to be clear, you just they don't want it on the base camp uh, form on the base camp account. So they're not saying you can't use your personal accounts to discuss these things. Although I'm sure they'd prefer that you didn't. But they're specifically saying when you're like when you're in our system, when you're working on stuff that's obviously kind of naturally related to what you're supposed to be doing here, we'd just prefer you keep that stuff out. So I think that's an important distinction. But uh, what they're saying ultimately, whoops. Whoa, that was me, sorry. No worries. <laughs> little, little musical interlude there. I, I think what they're saying is when you're at work or when you're doing work stuff, let's just focus on the work stuff. And I actually have heard that before um, I have a friend, I won't mention his name, works at a big tech company, I won't mention the company, but I know this is a frustration that he has, where he spends, he's a manager, he's very senior, he's, he spends, like he said, just an incredible amount of time focused on things that are not related to why he was hired or what will make, well, you know, kind of what is driving revenue for the company uh, immediately, and it frustrates the hell out of him. So I, I, I get it. You know what I mean? I, I get being the boss part. Yeah. Um, but it, you know, as Mitt Romney says, if corporations are people, <laughs> you ought to get, take a stance on societal things. And, and like, you know, you listen, I go to work, we do my work. I'm in and out of there. You can keep your head down, do your job, you know, get a salary, get a bonus, get a promotion. But isn't it more than just that? Right. You know, I mean, it, individuals, people, businesses, 
government and society has to take stands on things, particularly when there's injustices out there. Look, there, there's and... a couple. There's a couple sides of this. First of all, they have no choice. The, the people aren't going to stop talking about this on these accounts just because. And actually, again, Basecamp came out. I can't remember which of the founders. If it was the DHH guy or the other guy, but I think it was DHH guy. But came out and was like, "Look, this isn't like going to be some." You know, uh, you're not getting shipped to some like gulag, you know, in Siberia if you if you make this mistake. Like if you end up talking about it, whatever, we prefer you didn't. And maybe someone will mention it, but you're not going to lose your job. But the, just the idea that they could like kind of put this out there and then people would a stop doing it and b like find it OK to be told that they couldn't do this, I think is, is super naive. I think this. So I, I think that's that's a big mistake. Um, and it just reflects that they don't seem to get it. The other part of it is, um, you know, companies don't have a choice, especially tech companies these days. They do not have a choice about wading into sensitive issues like this because they are so closely connected to those issues, right? So I was thinking about this before, like there's a few examples, like the, how could, I'll give you a couple of them here. How could employees at Netflix, for example, be expected to avoid conversations around the need for greater diversity, equity, and inclusion in the workplace when a company is producing content that may or may not reflect DEI values of its employees, right? Does that make sense? Like you're yeah, like, yeah, hey, no, on the totally. one hand, don't care about that stuff. On the other hand, we're making content that care that needs to reflect your, these values and we're gonna show that we care about this. How, how do you, they're too intertwined, right? Facebook, another example, how could employees not talk about politics when the site plays a prominent role and how we learn and form opinions about politicians and political subjects. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, it, to it, it totally makes sense. I guess you, yeah. I guess you, I guess you could do it if you're just a project-based management software company. <laughs> I don't know, like maybe, um, maybe. But know. like there all these services. That the point is, these services, they're you know they've ceased to be. Um, you know, you're, you're not there making, I mean, some of these companies are making maybe business software or whatever, but like there's, for a lot of these services, there's a lot of overlap between our personal and our business lives, right? There's a lot, like, I was thinking of some, like services like iMessage, Spotify, Instagram, Snapchat, and TikTok can all be used for business, but fundamentally they're consumer products. How can employees of these companies not talk about the social or political content these services produce? Yeah. Well, this one might be an outlier. I don't know if it's the future thing. So, you know, I mean, the, these guys here are offering now, if you don't like what they're doing, they're offering severance packages mm. to employees. That's a bad sign. Yeah. And in one article over at The Verge, they said that the, or one employee told the reporter that there's always been kind of this unwritten rule at base camp that the company basically exists for David and Jason's enjoyment. At the end of the day, they're not interested in seeing things in their work timeline that make them uncomfortable or distracts them from what they're interested. And this is the culmination of that. Yeah, but it's, it's again, they're, they're, they're blind, right? Because you look at some of these big tech companies and Basecamp is not at this level, but Google, Amazon, um, you know, are, are, are a couple of good examples of companies that have had to, you know, that have, are dealing with, uh, situations among their employees where their employees are taking a stronger stand, having a voice. And, you know, that's become a real thing for these, these big tech companies. Like, how do we, 
manage that process. And yeah, is it a distraction? Sure, but it's not going to stop. It's not going to go away. Um, I'll tell you what, what this whole story really made me think about, though, Dave, was is this idea of internal communications. I mentioned this before. Like, what do we call that? Like, is it employee relations? Not really. It's it's internal communications or corporate communications. Like when it's you're internal comms, it's internal, internal comms. comms. Okay. Yeah. So so here's the question I have for you, right? In, we call employee it, comms is the other one too, Kevin. Internal employee comms, same thing. Okay. Internal employee comms. Why don't we call it internal slash employee relations? But we call it public relations, yeah. right? The, the reason is because we're not really trying to. Companies aren't really trying to build relationships with their employees, right? They're just communicating to them. They're like telling them, this is the way it is. This is what we're going to talk about or not talk about. This is what we're going to be focused on, right? It, as opposed to with the public, companies are focused on building relationships, right? Mm. Finding ways to engage and like influence and communicate. It's just, it's a fundamentally like different way to think about uh, communications. And this is a really good example. I mean, I think employee communications for most of my career has been something that I thought of as being super boring frankly, and kind of unnecessary and dull, like, oh yeah, you're going to go do employee comms, yeah. like have fun. That's, that's a, you know, that's a sleeper, but I think it's become more important. I actually think we ought to reconsider back to the survey, how we look at employee comms and maybe think of it as employee relations. How, how do we, how can companies build stronger relationships with their employees so that they can find a balance between people spending time at work, bitching about Trump to, you know, focusing on the work that they do that they were hired to do. Well, and I think that there's another thing to this too. Companies that don't necessarily, like th these guys here took this stance, like no more, I'm out. And it's so much so that I'm going to pay you to leave if you don't like it. Yeah, that's right. Some the companies that do that, this, that, that yeah. some companies that do this, just pick a lane, pick one thing, right? Yeah. So yeah. Ben and Jerry's, um, you know, they're, what's their do-goodism? I think it's around the environmental part. Right. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. Environmentalism. Okay. And that's that's the one thing that they focus on. Um, and they don't try to do too much. So yeah. everybody can rally around that. Right. And so now we we're, we're more mission orientated as a company. Right. Yeah. So that's one way to approach this whole thing. Uh, I think that's a good idea for others to do it. Right. So, yeah, um, you know, Dick Sporting's Goods is, is another one. Uh, they were wanted responsible gun ownership and mm. they've integrated that. And it's been very consistent throughout their campaigns, even though they took a lot of heat on it from a lot of people who buy guns. Right. Sure. But yeah, absolutely. it was a good thing. Right. So I think people, I think companies can choose something, whether it be diversity, equality and inclusion or environmentalism or doing any sort of other social good. You, you know what, Dave? You have kids, right? We both have kids, six between yeah. us, right? When you tell your kids not to people, do something, Kevin. huh? That's a, lot, that's a lot of people. It is. It is a lot of people. Six I don't know how we manage. We should be freaking <laughs> heroes. But seriously, I, I don't, um, when I tell my kids not to do something, at least initially, their first instinct is to do it. I think it's the same. And do you remember back in the day when uh, the internet was becoming popular, you and I are that old, and our employers told us don't use like personal email at work or don't we didn't have social networks, but there were like websites they didn't want us to visit while we were at work. Do you remember that? Yeah. And what did you do? I went on that shit anyway, man. And I was like, and I resented the hell out of it. I think when you tell your employees not to do stuff, so especially something 
that comes naturally and is important and they view as, you know, necessary and significant, I, I think you're, um, you're actually pushing them to do it. Right. Well, and, and, you know, base camp and say, if they want people to be productive, productive, hold them to productivity standards rather than issues around it. Bingo. All right. That was a good talk. Yeah. I like it. It's an important issue. I really, I, I think it's actually one of the more important stories we've talked about to be, I had to put my, uh, my tea down for that, for that. I, I think it's a, I think it's, it really hits on what's happening in the world today and especially regarding tech and especially regarding communications because it, it's the intersection of like, what is the responsibility of the company, especially these tech companies and, uh, and the employee and, and, you know, the employee is going to have a stronger voice going forward. Companies are going to have to have to deal with that. Uh, I think base camp's coming out the wrong way. Yeah, I think so too, but, uh, you know, it's controlled by the founders and I think, you know, they'll continue doing their thing. So we'll see. We'll see. All right. Uh, what's next, Kevin? Okay. We're going to do this. Uh, okay. We do another game. Cause I know I've got you coming around to games. This is a short game. Only got a couple of these things, but okay, uh, usually PR people, we like to offer tips and tricks to our clients. Like, Oh, give me a media tip, you know, give me a trick for how to deal with a answering a question. I don't want to answer or whatever. So we're going to do the uh, inverse that we're going to call this PR trips and ticks okay i'm going to offer up huh yeah so like when you do media training yeah there's tips and tricks that you can learn like that's right speaking headlines (laughs) exactly exactly speaking headlines exactly except we're going to reverse we're going with trips and ticks so i'm going to offer up a tricky situation tricky pr situation to you and we're going to discuss how to handle it and uh, i i honestly for all of our listeners out there didn't have as much time to spend on this that i like but i think i got a couple here that that we can dig into. All right, you ready for the first one? All right, go. PR trips and ticks. All right, a client- Not tips oh, and tricks, trips and ticks. Exactly, exactly, okay. A client tells you to follow up this back to our muck rack, muck rack survey. A client tells you to follow up with a reporter until you get an answer about when or if they will cover you. Should you do it? Uh, once, I will do it once. Okay, but they're saying, no, I want you to follow up until you hear back. Keep calling, keep emailing. I'll tell you what, I'm gonna put a finer point on this. I, I've got, I had an experience recently, uh, experience recently where uh, the client wasn't happy with uh, some coverage that it got. I wanted something changed in the article and wanted me to call, email, tackle, whatever was necessary, the reporter, until I got them your pigeons. <laughs> yeah, your pigeons. Yeah. Until they responded and updated, just go crazy doing it. Would you do that? No, I, I will follow up responsibly. No. There you go. There yeah. you go. That's the right answer. That's right. Yeah. I was so pissed that the my client did not get this. Um, it's just, like you said, it's irresponsible. You can't act that way, Right. Yeah, no, you can't. Yeah, I mean, we're human beings in this profession. That's right. That's <laughs> can't right. be an a-hole. Unless we're so. bots, which we might be. Yeah. We yeah. might be AI bots in a few years. That might be how yeah. it's going to change. Um, all right, I got another one for you. Ready? Go. Uh, this, is, this is a good one, maybe. A client hasn't paid you on time. You think they're good for it, but you're reluctant to continue working until the check shows up. Should you hold your ground or keep working? Um, 
I keep working with a slowdown. Ooh. You know, you brought this up because I, I remember a time where I had a client that would always pay. No, but, but they'll always pay late. Yep. And then one time near the end of the relationship, they got to be really late. Yep. <laughs> right. Right. And it was like, you know what? That's it. I'm done. Told him I'm, I'm over. Uh, and he acknowledged that. But he still had he owed me money. <laughs> like, Brutal. Just so, awful. you know, we're, we're, we're beyond 30 days. We're like 45, 50. And I'm like, you know, and this is early on when I started out consulting. I came to the office unannounced, like some fucking mafia hit, man, dude. Like, yo, man, with my money. <laughs> you know, sometimes that's what you have to do. Obviously, not the uh, the mafia yeah, right hit man part, but he, he knew it. He, I, yeah. I wrote it right then and there, and I'm like, really? Did you? I had to do this, you know? <laughs> yeah, crazy. These are the same people that you know run out on bills, or uh, you know, you go out to dinner with them, and 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 you know, they got to use the bathroom when the check comes. Right. I mean, you know what I'm saying? It, it, it's just not right. Uh, I, it, it boggles my mind when and, and I, I'm, I'm relatively fortunate. I don't think I have too many clients to do this, but still occasionally there are clients that pay late on a consistent basis. And you wonder, like, do they know that if I was the electric company, we would just shut your your electricity off? You know, do you understand how this works? Like you don't get to decide when to pay. First of all, it's in our agreement. But more importantly, like, you know, that you know, that, that we have, you know, that I have bills to pay, like that. I, I can't just, hold. my grandfather has an expression. He told me on this subject, he says, your, your mother may have carried you for nine months, but I, I don't intend to. Yeah, and I, I think that's, that's right on, man. I'm not going to carry you just, right. I'm not just going to like float you until you feel like paying me. Like, that's just, that's not okay. When you say that, like in this past year, I had a client that raised like $300 million. Yep. They paid me, cash a check, damn thing bounced. How does that happen? I mean, come on. First of all, you know, right. They obviously have the money. Here's what I want to understand. They've got the money. It's a process thing, right? They can't get their whatever, their process right. How do you, how do you have enough going for you that you're able to raise $300 million, but you can't figure out not to, how not to have a bounce check for $3,000. What kind of a, what kind of a business person are you? I don't get that. Bullshit. All right. I got one more for you. You ready? All right. All right. A client wants to publish the results of a survey that is obviously self-serving. You know, the editors will push back, but, uh, but it's what the client wants. How far do you go in telling your client not to publish the report versus doing what they want? Uh, I, I just killed one of these. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah, I just killed one of these. Uh, there was a survey, a customer satisfaction survey, yeah. where the client miraculously scored 100% customer satisfaction yeah, there you go. On, their support, on their support team. Yeah. And when I dug into the survey, the answer was, the question was, the survey question was, did we solve your problem? Yes or no? <laughs> yeah. So, I, you know, you could get a no until they solve the problem. So it could have, you know, gotten like, no, it's still not fixed, not fixed. And then finally it says, yes, it's fixed. Right. And I'm like, we can't publish this. There's no basis for. <laughs> this goes back to the thing. Uh, one of the muckrack questions, I, the, a 
probably the biggest part of our job is making sure the people that we work for understand how this job works. And that's, that's hard and it takes time and you hope that you get someone that's further along in that path by the time you get connected to them and start doing work for them. But it, it's critical because if there's a, a miscommunication, if, if, if the client doesn't understand what's necessary for us to be successful in our jobs, we're gonna have a hard time helping um, or, mm. or the relationship is gonna sour really quickly. Yeah, uh, I, I push back on those. Yeah. Um, I've been fortunate enough to run a few of those surveys. And I, I, you know, if you're ever in a position where you can actually do a survey, make sure you're part of that, not just like a marketing team member or, or someone else, because they're going to ask you sooner or later to publicize the results of that survey. Yeah. And you want to get in there and make sure that there are media friendly questions, sort of catnip questions for journalists. Because otherwise, you'll get a bunch of self-serving questions and responses about how great a company is versus about what's going to happen there. Um, you know, we did a survey years ago for Cisco and the Security Technology Report. Um, some Ben Stricker, I worked with him. He's yeah. really good at this. I mean, he was a guest. guest on our show. Um, Number one and, fan. You know, huh? Number one fan. What's up, Ben? Yeah, number one fan. What's up, Ben? Oh, he provided me feedback this last week, Kevin. I forgot to share it. I know. Okay. <laughs> um, he, uh, he was great at coming up with these ridiculous survey questions that, you know, sounded funny, but were perfect for the media. You know, things like, you know, uh, would you rather, you know, die in the desert or lose your smartphone? Right. And, you know, you get like 60 percent people like, you know, I'd rather die in the desert than lose my smartphone. Right. Things yeah, like, that, like that. Too. Yeah. yeah. Um, so make sure you're involved in that when you're creating surveys. No so. doubt. No doubt. OK. Uh, that's all I got on PR trips and ticks. Should we keep that game? Uh, Our fans should tell us. Yeah, let's yes, do it. Not. If we can think of things. Yeah, okay. let's do that. I, I like that one. OK. All right. Rip fire refer. You have down Joe Rogan. Yep. Who, what did he say this week? He said, we don't need a vaccine. If you're like, if you're young and healthy, just I mean, right. he quite like that. But he's like, just skip it. Like basically if I had kids, I think he said, is like, I would tell my kids not to get it. Or if you're 21 and healthy, don't get it or whatever. He took a lot of oh, shit oh, from, from the government. Oh, you're talking about Dr. Joe Rogan, the infectious disease expert. Exactly. Or the exactly. <laughs> right. He must've got his credentials just, just the other day. The, the fear factor host. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, the guy. Look, I mean, the guy. Here, eat this is, wild African bug, uh, but don't get a don't get a shot in your arm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, the reason this got so much pub, obviously, is because the guy's got a huge audience, right? And yeah. so, like, Fauci's out there going, "Jesus, you know, like this guy. Fifty million people listen to this guy. We're trying to get everybody vaccinated." Uh, so yeah, Joe Rogan's on the list for that reason. All right, Rudy Giuliani. <laughs> yep. He, he, yeah. he was he's under federal investigation now and his home was raided with regards to um, possibly re misrepresenting how he did business with the Ukraine and everything else that he was involved in with Trump in the election. Hey, is anybody still investigating what happened with that hair dye that ran down his face? Did, or, did, or, I get this, did, anybody, did that investigation get resolved in any way? I didn't see the resort, yeah. the reports, the results of that report weird um yeah. britney spears is the third one so rep fire refer game 
Joe Rogan, Rudy Giuliani, and Britney Spears. Wait, why did, is Britney you know Spears why Britney Spears? Yeah, Britney was on. I saw like a headline, but I think you know she's under under that like conservative conservatorship. You familiar with that? Yes. Right, and she's trying to get out from under that. I think. So I thought, you know, just because, look, no one wants to be under somebody else's thumb. I thought we'd put Brittany on this list and she needs our help. I don't mean to tease kind of where I'm going if I had to choose, but Brittany needs some help. All right. Can, can I take this, Kevin? Yeah, 100%. Go. All right. So Rudy Giuliani, fire his ass right away because that Instantly. dude's a nut. Yeah. I'm going to refer to Joe Rogan okay. because, dude, come on. <laughs> right yeah. Here. Like, come on, just, just somebody go help him get him set him straight. Britney Spears, and, and I, I am I am I'm gonna proudly admit it now because I'm now Team Britney. I yeah. watched the documentary Free Britney. Uh-huh. I think it's on Netflix, and it was all about that conservatorship. I had no clue um, about it, and so there's Britney super fans out there, and um, that conservatorship. You know, I mean, she's a grown woman. <laughs> she's like close to 40 or something. And uh, she's still under the guise of her dad and some other lawyer who are just basically making her work like a circus animal. You know, it's not right. It's not, it's right. not hit, right. Hit me, baby, one more time. It's not <laughs> yeah. OK. Come yeah. here. We'll wrap you. We'll help you out. Brittany. Absolutely. <laughs> free of charge. Actually, we're, gonna, yeah. we're here to help. We're, we're here to help free Brittany. Yeah. All right, dude. We will be back next week. We have a guest next week. Uh, it should be a fun one, uh, and you'll you'll want to turn tune into that. So, right on. Let's do All it. All right, Kevin. Talk All to right. you later. You got it.